Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Business of Psychology. Today I'm really pleased to be here with somebody that I know well and work with every day. I'm here today with Anna Bunch who is a VA who specialises in supporting psychologists and therapists to work smarter not harder and she literally saves my skin every single week. You will have heard me talk about her on this podcast before so I'm very very pleased to have her here to talk to us today. Welcome Anna. Oh, hi, Rosie. Thank you for having me. I'm, ex- I'm very excited. Yeah, me too, because uh, one of the reasons that we get on so well, I think, is that we both have a bit of a passion for creating systems that make running a practice easier. So in psychology business school, I've always been talking a lot. And on this podcast, I've always been talking a lot about how outsourcing can really take the weight off your shoulders, get you some clarity But in order to do that, you've got to build systems that make sense and that somebody else can follow. Um, And I just think it supercharges your practice when you do that. But the fact is, most of us don't have hours and hours to spend setting up the perfect systems in our practice. And in my experience, that is very much where you come in. Um, And I know how brilliant you are at doing it. So I'm really excited to have you here to talk to the listeners today about how to use a VA to your best advantage and how to set up your procedures properly so that with some help, you can create a smooth running machine in your practice. Um, So before we get into all of that, though, what led you to wanting to work with psychologists and therapists as a VA? So I've got quite a a long and varied career history um, and it's just been by chance that my past kind of led me to this line of work. Um, So I've started my career mainly working for the railway. Um, So working for a national railway company, starting out customer service. I used to work at Darlington train station selling train tickets. Um, And then I moved on to working on the more finance side of things. Um, down in in York at the head office where I managed the accounting team. Um, Then I had a bit of a change and then worked in private education where um, I was head of department for MIS and funding. So it was all audit compliance. So that's where I get my passion of processes and systems, making sure everything's done right and that we've got a list to check off. that, yeah, that's the, the my inner auditor <laughs> in me. <laughs> Everyone needs one. <laughs> exactly. So um, that, yeah, lends well to everything that I do today, really. You know, the customer service side of things, the admin, the managing teams, audit and compliance. And then very randomly, after I had my little girl, Jessica, who she's going to be six in a couple of weeks, um, I didn't want to go back into the, the training sector. Been doing that for 10 years, had enough. So I very randomly started doing some cleaning, which within a couple of months, I had five members of staff. I had contracts for some um, big premises locally. And yeah, it just all went a bit crazy. But trying to do all that and then the team, it was just growing too big for what I could do as a as a new mum. And one of my friends who's a neuropsychologist told me about um, her VA and a like a lot of people, I was like, well, what's a VA do? And then she told me and I said, I can do that. I could do that. And I thought, hmm, 
working around Jessica, my computer at home, no commuting, no cleaning toilets, no going back and working for someone else. It was just the perfect answer for me. Wow. Um, so I didn't know you actually grew a business that expanded too quickly. For yes, you. it did. It did. And it was something that you know, it was never intentional. It all just kind of snowballed as, as things do. Um, and that, and again, that was the point where I was out cleaning. I was trying to do payroll. I was trying to do all the back office admin. I was trying to market my company. I was trying to write risk assessments, the whole health and safety side of things. And it just there, at that that was the moment when I realized that owning your own business, you don't just do the jobs, you know, do your day-to-day job. It's all the admin stuff. So it was, you know, Friday nights was uh, pizza, pajamas and payroll night. You know, Saturday mornings, I was going out to see new clients. Sundays was all planning the next week. And then, of course, you know, you get all there when you've got a team of people, all the HR issues. And it's just, yeah. So I have a, a very strong appreciation of what it's like. <laughs> to run a business um it's so, so interesting from- I just think a lot of people listening will really resonate with that with going into business because you needed more flexibility to work around your little girl and then building a beast basically <laughs> that took over your whole life absolutely that was what it's like and then so just through word of mouth the VA business started to grow and I'm, that was about three years ago now um and it's, it's all just happened holistically and just all, like I say, from word of mouth. So um, at first I wasn't as niche as I am now, uh, but it just made sense. The more and more, and it's not just psychologists, you know, with the wellness professionals, um, anyone really with a clinic, private practice, it's, you know, everyone's got the same pain points. Everyone's got the same needs, uh, using the same systems. And because I'm uh, privy to a lot of people's businesses, you know, you can you can take the pe- best practice for it and share with it, you know, and so how a good way of doing things. Um, so, yeah, from that, it's just made sense to niche down and just deal with everyone in the same sector, uh, which has worked really well. And, and I really enjoy it as well. Um, I think. You know, I was someone who I've had therapy myself over the years. So I've been the client on the other side as well. And how important it is to, you know, have that empathy and provide your clients the customer service as well. Um, And then my skill set from all the other things I've done over my career. It's all things that I know. (laughs) I think it's so valuable that you've got that niche and that understanding of the business from both sides. (laughs) Because, um, you know, I think I was talking to you actually before we hit record on this episode about the fact that I did work with uh, a couple, actually, of more generic VAs before I found you. Mm -hmm. And that was really the struggle. It was that, you know, I would have to invest a lot of time and mental energy in explaining things like, you know, we might get people phoning up who are really distressed. This is how um, you need to talk this is what you need to say and and I have I had to really think all that through for them because they didn't have any experience of a business like mine Mm -hmm. and most VAs that you will see kind of marketing themselves say or you know on Facebook ads or at business networking they probably don't have the experience of running a clinic-based practice I think that's actually quite a skill to, mm-hmm. to run a practice where you need to be filling appointment slots, um, but you don't want to be booking people in at, at random times. Um, it's really different to the needs of running a different type of business, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And no two virtual assistants are the same. Everyone's got a complete unique skill set. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm growing my team slowly. Um, so I have three other VAs who are working um, are working with me. And I'm being very careful in picking the right people who have the background as well that have previously worked with therapists or have been a medical secretary um, to have that because I just think it's so important that to have that understanding, you know, that there's millions of people who can do basic admin work and like fill diaries but just having that extra knowledge of the medical sector is what we're about really Mm, yeah because it's not really basic is it I think you know there's such a lot of issues around uh, GDPR and confidentiality I don't think there's really anything we do that is straightforward um compared to some other businesses because obviously there's kind of two sides to my business and I find the clinic side is much more complex admin wise than the other stuff that I do I think it is anyway (laughs) Um, and so I just think knowing that the the VA that you're working with is a safe pair of hands and they've done this before and learned that best best practice um, is is really really valuable so very keen to uh, to promote your services to other people especially now I know that you've expanded um, I think it's a great thing to offer oh thank you yes it's all it's all going really well um and yet the GDPR side like you say is just so important that's at the forefront of what we do um, and it scares so many people it just the, the the people I speak to um just everyone's terrified of making a mistake you know and just but if you've got the right systems in place, you've got the right paperwork and the understanding of it. And to say, us here, me and the girls, you know, we, we've all done our GDPR training and just, yeah, we're, you're doing everything that we can. Exactly. And, and it's about having that confidence in the person that you outsource to, to know that they've taken responsibility for learning about GDPR. I often get questions about, um, you know, do we need to provide the training? And actually, one important thing to recognize about um, hiring a VA is that they should be a freelancer. And that means that they're responsible for their own training. So my advice is always no, find a VA who has got that training for themselves and look for the evidence of that. But actually, unless you're going to employ them, which is a completely different thing, and we might talk a bit about differences there, um, that's something that you should expect your VA to be an expert in. And they're not the right VA if they're not. Yeah, absolutely. You need, when you're, when you're looking for a, a virtual assistant, you need to make sure that the ICO registered, ask them about GDPR, um, make sure they've got the correct insurances in place. You know, they will, a good VA will send you over any evidence that you require um, as a matter of course and make sure that you've got your contractor services in place, your data processing agreements between the, the, the two parties and any other parties. So with my team, I have the same contracts and data processing in place with them also um, and I provide them with ongoing training and you know share best practice. So just to make sure everyone's covered from, from all angles, yeah, from a legal Absolutely. point of view. And I definitely recommend if you're running a therapy practice, that's what you need to look for. Um, And there's not that many people out there offering it, to be honest, Um, but I wouldn't settle for anything less. Um, So that kind of brings me on actually to my next question, which is sort of about the mistakes that you see people making when they set up in private practice. Because I know that one of those is sort of being so scared 
about the um, admin and getting it right GDPR wise that they actually don't have a system at all. Um, so I was wondering kind of what have you seen out there? Because that's something I hear quite a lot. Absolutely. I would say my typical clients and when, when the majority of people come to me, um, they're suffering a great deal of overwhelm and using a lot of pen and paper, pen and paper diaries, you know, we're having clients on spreadsheets, um, invoicing or maybe not invoicing, sending invoices out. So it's the whole back office stuff, which, and, and I know how it starts. You know, I've got experience with myself. You think you start off with your diary and you think, you know, I'll, I'll do that later. I'll put that in place another time. And then your business just gets, runs away with you. And then you all of a sudden, everything's just a mess and you just feel like out of control. So yeah, I'd say probably about 90% of the people who come to me are in that position. So they've been running private practice for, you know, a couple of months or years even, and uh, got to the point where they think enough is enough. I need some expert help here. Um, and, and there's just so much stuff out there which can help a um, lot of software, IT software, getting a practice management system. Um, that is key. Um, I would say unless you've got more than, you know, a handful of clients, it might not be worth your while. Um, but yeah, making sure that you're keeping all your patient's data secure in all in one place, not using lots of different systems. So you've got data everywhere and really just keeping control over it. Mm, so I was going to ask, what are the first things that people should look to get in place if they're in that state of overwhelm and feeling like their practice is just this massive burden on their shoulders? So it sounds like practice management software is a good first investment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, within, I mean, one of the most popular ones on the market is WriteUp, and I work closely with WriteUp. Um, and this is a system where you can store absolutely everything it's got all your organizational information in there you can put all your clients notes in there all your clients data it they can set up appointment reminders so um they can be sent out automatically you can invoice from it you've got a diary in there um you can send smart forms out so to collect clients data safely rather than using google forms or you know, asking people to print out a form and then scan it back in, which is just time consuming. And obviously it's not the most secure way of doing things. Um, and just having, having that tool to communicate with the client within one system. Um, and of course, doing your invoicing. And in, because you're using a system, once it's all set up, it's really quick and easy to use. Um, and a lot of the software out there, it can integrate with other systems like your accounting software. Um, a lot of clients don't use accounting software um, when they come to me, but they, everyone has <laughs> taken up, you know, using something such as Xero or Free Agent or, I mean, there's lots, lots out there. Xero is the most popular one and links with all the practice management software that I've used. Um, so basically what that means is when you're raising invoices, well, it actually starts from when you put an appointment in a calendar on the system, that can then trigger raising an invoice and then it will go over to your accounting software. Your money comes into the bank, which is linked to your accounting software, such as zero, and then it's reconciled. So you know that, well, A, you can't miss an invoice going out. Um, the customer gets it timely through email securely and you're making sure that you, your credit controls are in place and you've got 
um, you, you know who owes you what, basically, rather than trying to match bank statements with um, spreadsheets, uh, missing people and just losing revenue that way, basically. And so, these are the two things that really, really went wrong for me, I'd say, when I set up in private practice. I think like a lot of people, I, I got more clients more quickly than I expected to. So I hadn't thought about investing in something like private practice software because I thought it would take me months and years to get to the point where I needed it when actually that wasn't the reality. I, I had lots of inquiries quite quickly and didn't really have a way of you know, keeping track of them all. So I might speak to somebody on the phone and then, you know, write some anonymized notes in my notebook. You know, great that it's anonymized from a GDPR point of view, but pretty terrible for ever finding that person again in my notebook. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I got myself into a bit of a pickle. I was uh, double booking myself all the time because I'm really rubbish with calendars anyway. And um, yeah, I just would get really confused. Whereas WriteUp at least has just your clinics in it or you can set it up so only your clinic slots are available um so if I'd had that it might have been slightly better than what did happen but then also I would get a bit emotional about invoicing and I think this happens to a lot of people where you either put it off or you don't do it at all because you kind of feel bad about doing it and I hope I think I've moved past that a little bit now and I now feel a lot better than I did at the beginning about charging for my services but, you know, I think we all know that feeling where you're like, oh, I just don't want to chase up that person. So your mind kind of avoids it. Whereas if you're using WriteUp and Zero, which are the two that we use together, mm-hmm. you can really clearly see, oh, right, this invoice has been overdue for a month now. I'm, I need to follow that up. So even if that was all you did, I reckon that would make you a lot of money in your practice. Absolutely. And I think, you know, people think, oh, it's, you know, it's X amount a month for this, it's X amount, but it really is so valuable. Um, and again, and having a virtual assistant to have those conversations with clients as well, if they if they haven't been paying the bills and the automated reminders that the systems generate, you know, haven't worked out. Because if you're providing therapeutic care, the last thing you want to be doing at the beginning or end of a session is saying, and by the way, can I have that hundred quid you owe me? <laughs> oh, um, completely. I don't think it works. No, I, I would go so far as to say that I think you should outsource that as soon as you can, mm-hmm. because it enables you to be focused on the therapeutic relationship rather than having to worry about those transactions. And it also gives clients the opportunity to separate those two things in their minds too. So, you know, I've had a couple of clients who have had difficulty with with paying um, or have paid quite late. And I think it's enabled the therapeutic relationship to continue that they've had those conversations with you, not me. Absolutely. Um, and I so think obviously, we- if there's something with therapeutic benefit, I can talk to them about it because I know what's going on. But I think the fact that they can organize a payment plan or they can say, oh, I can't pay it now. I'll pay it at the end of the month and have that with a completely separate person. It enables them to get the most out of their therapy, I think. Absolutely. Another thing that's uh, come up recently, obviously the price of everything's going up and then people are wanting to increase their, um, their fees. And it's something that everyone struggles with so much, you know, that, you know, I don't want to put them up and, you know, put my prices up. And um, so I've been able to 
give that business kind of talk and say, you know, you have to do this, you're running a business, it's how much it costs, and then putting together an email to send out and then me telling them that the prices are going up and just removing the therapist from that conversation as well. Um, that's been, yeah, really important, I think. Absolutely. I think that there are lots of tasks for different, and we'll all be different about this, mm-hmm. but that we get kind of emotionally hung up on and we maybe start to avoid because it's unpleasant and difficult for us to do it. You know, for me, I think I might be fairly unusual in how stressful I find calendars and and booking appointments, but it is definitely true that before I had help from you, I would turn down opportunities quite a lot just because I couldn't see where they would fit in my diary. And I would hate the scheduling to the point that I would just ignore the email um, I'd be like, I, I don't want to respond to that because I can't, haven't got the headspace to think about where to put it in my calendar. Um, so I think, you know, knowing your personal strengths and weaknesses is really important to this and getting a VA in to do the thing you know you're not brilliant at, which for many of us will be invoicing, but there's probably other stuff that's unique to you as well. I think that is absolutely crucial and I'd recommend it to anyone. Absolutely. And I think um, it's not only the, the doing the admin side as well, but I think a lot of people out there need support with choosing what systems to use and how they can benefit their business, things that are time consuming, such as communicating with clients, trying to um, organize even initial calls with them, you know, whether we've got software out there, such as Calendly or what have you, that we can just automate these things. Um, I mean, I've had a few clients recently who have come to me and I have helped them set up the systems. I've created workflow processes for them, configured the practice management system and then given them to them. And then there you go. And then they don't need a virtual assistant. You know, they've actually got everything in order. They know what they're doing. They know what day of the week they're going to do things. We've set everything up so it's automated and streamlined. And, and that's brilliant. You know, it's I really enjoy that side of things. Um, getting my hands on people's admin and (laughs) getting it all sorted out for them yeah I mean I can see why it's um it's kind of fulfilling to do that Mm -hmm. because you're really taking people at quite a vulnerable moment when they're really overwhelmed and giving them an action plan it's not that different really to what we do in therapy when you think about it (laughs) right (laughs) um so I I guess there'll be a lot of people listening to this who are thinking this sounds great but I'm not sure that I'm ready to outsource yet. How do you get yourself ready to work with a VA? I would say the first thing to do would be to do a little time audit and really have a think about and log sometimes of, of things, of the tasks that don't make you money that you do. Um, and there might be some of them that you like and you want to keep on doing or, or, or not so much. Um, so yeah, really having a look at breaking down all the different tasks I mean to give you an example of some of the things that you know we can help with is um, dealing with inquiries so from inquiry stage whether it's at the moment everyone's gone seems to be operating on waiting lists everyone's so busy Um, but yeah just having that initial communication whether it's setting up an an initial call or um, through to onboarding you onboarding your clients so this is a key part to make sure you're getting all the information that you need from your clients so your consent signing um, the therapy contracts um, you might want to send them out some questionnaires um, 
getting their uh, personal details, getting everything put on the system ready to start the therapy with them. Um, that's that's a, a big part. And it, once everything's up and running, it's a really quick and easy thing to do as well. And then tracking to make sure that the forms are back so you don't end up going into your first therapy session and then realise that they, um, they haven't signed the consent or you haven't got the GPT de details. Um, dealing with insurers, that's everyone's pain point. Um, they're not the easiest to deal with. So we've got experience in dealing with all of them. So it's, uh, yeah, how they all work and how to keep on top of the admin that comes with dealing with trying to get your money back from the various companies. Um, yep, invoicing, how you do it, what, what the frequency that you um, send invoice your customers, whether you're invoicing them in advance or retrospectively, which sometimes if the self-funding isn't ideal, um, credit control, uh, and then maybe putting your receipts onto your accounting software. So every time you spend something, we can upload your receipts and reconcile that for you. Uh, we don't go any further than that. We just do the basic bookkeeping. And then obviously it's over to your accountant or whoever does your, your, your accounts. But all those things do take up quite a bit of time. Um, I'd say I especially the two and fouring with it's, clients. Mm. It's doing that audit isn't it, to figure out how long are you spending at the moment on all mm. of those things? Um, because often people will say to me, oh yeah, but it only takes me 15 minutes while I'm watching telly on an evening. And I'm like, use an app that tracks your time mm -hmm. and then tell me how long it takes you because it's probably not 15 minutes. Because I was awful for this. I used to think, oh, you know, um, I'd like to outsource my invoicing because I know that I'm quite patchy with it, but I just can't justify paying somebody for an hour a week to do that because it only takes me 10 minutes when I do it. Um, but it didn't take me 10 minutes at all. And I, I got the app Toggle, which I really recommend. It's free and really easy. Um, and I did this and I realized that it was actually spending me, I was actually spending at least two hours a week on invoicing, either sending out invoices or just kind of mindlessly going into um, my spreadsheets and trying to make sense of who I'd sent an invoice to or who I hadn't. And I might not actually do anything, but I'd spend 10 minutes staring at it, get overwhelmed and leave. So when I started tracking all of that, it added up to two hours a week. Well, yeah. you know, that was kind of the push I needed because I know that, you know, I had a waiting list at the time. I could have picked up two extra clients in that time and that would have more than paid for the VA to, to do it for me. And um, so I think that auditing your time is really, really crucial. Yeah. Um, and then I think the next stage would be, you know, have a have a look around and see who who you want to work with. So I'd recommend to always speak to a couple of VAs just to get a feel for people and making sure that they've got all of the right credentials in terms of, you know, their insurances, are they anti-money laundering registered um, and, and getting that information. And not every VA is the right fit, you know, and it's a two-way process as well. You know, it's like, does the VA want to work with this therapist? On a few occasions, I've, I've politely declined, you know, if I haven't felt that things feel right. Um, and I think after being in this, you know, doing this for a few years now, you can't, you get a gut feeling and it has to be a two way street. Otherwise, you know, it's not going to be a great relationship either way. And like you say, you're putting your trust, you're putting your business, you're putting your business baby in someone's trust. So it needs to be right. And it needs to feel right. 
um, and, and just having the right expectations of a virtual assistant. I think some people think you're available 24 hours a day, um, or, but the reality is, you know, everyone's self-employed, usually juggling around, you know, family life. Um, some VAs might only work on an evening or a weekend, which may not may or may not suit your practice. Um, some work through the day. Um, then you have to think about, do you want to pay for ad hoc hours or on a retainer contract? Now, ad hoc hours generally tend to be more expensive um, than if you if you set out how many hours a month you you want, you want to, when you're guaranteeing that person's time. Um, I mean, the lowest we work with is five hours a month, which for a small clinic that can that can suffice doing the invoicing and maybe a couple of inquiries just depending on on the workload and so yeah there's lots to think about um but yes always have that important discovery call with a virtual assistant and and i imagine most people offer them for free before jumping in and, and signing a contract with someone and yeah being conscious of you get out clauses as well i mean we don't i never tie any clients in um it's you know just to give a month's notice but some people they might want to tie you in for a year or what have you i think some of the bigger agencies might go down that route well, that's so. interesting yeah i hadn't mm-hmm. thought about that but i think you're right it has to be a good fit and you have to get your expectations right mm-hmm. because we we talked a little bit earlier about you know the difference between being employed employing somebody to do admin for you mm-hmm. and hiring a VA who is freelance mm-hmm. um, can you say a little bit more about what you can and can't expect so yeah the differences between having an employed member of staff and a virtual assistant um, you know that you the client cannot um, say I want you to do you know do my work between 9 30 and 10 o'clock every day it's you they may be able to do it and some VAs may be prepared to do that, but it, I've tried that and in reality, it doesn't really work out because people's work overrun. So if you've got deadlines in mind, your virtual assistant will adhere to them, but they need the free reign of when to actually do that work. Um, and yeah, if you're needing people to do specific tasks at a specific time, then yeah, imp- employing someone's going to be going more down the route for you because um, yeah, that's part of the the difference between employing and freelancing you know we we pay our um, own national insurance tax we have all our own equipment um, and yeah when it comes to trying to pin people down to certain times it just generally doesn't work and one of the things that I used to worry about and um, but we found a way around was how that would work when I had inquiries coming in via the telephone and actually as probably most people have experienced we're getting a lot less now by telephone Mm -hmm. um used to be most of my inquiries came in via the phone now I would say we get very very few Mm -hmm. um but I still wanted that assurance that um that basically you could deal with my telephone inquiries for me because they're the ones that I'm particularly bad at because if somebody gets through to me on the phone I can't put the phone down on them, especially not if, you know, they've got a difficult story or maybe they want to blurt out their whole story because they know they're talking to the therapist. Um, So I would often spend an hour on the phone with somebody that I knew I wasn't going to work with. I just couldn't say no, basically. Um, So telephone inquiries is something I really wanted to outsource, but I knew I didn't want to employ anybody because my business just 
it doesn't work for my business to do that at the moment. Um, and it took me a while to figure out how that could work with a VA. But what we do is use a telephone answer service. And then the inquiries, um, somebody at the end of the phone in one of these big call centers takes down a bare bones message and then emails that to you. You then call them back. Yes. That works and so really it doesn't well. come through to me until you've already vetted them, which is brilliant. And I highly recommend it. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, you know, you, um, most VAs will use and recommend using a call answering service. I've tried to have it with a couple of clients where I've took incoming calls, but it's so disruptive to the work that I'm doing. And like you say, even though um, I'm not the doctor who they want to speak to, we still I still end up getting a rather lengthy phone call and knowing a lot about them. <laughs> so, so, and of course, you know, it's like that needs to be billed because that's just to kind of put hour of my working day so yeah definitely call answering services are the way forward really quick and easy you get an email reply to them um and yeah that works really well yeah so I think you know if anybody was listening thinking ah, oh, I don't know if I can make a VA work for me because I need inquiries responded to between nine and five for example that's one way of making it work and I just wish that I'd known or thought of that sooner <laughs> Yeah, um, I just wasn't aware that these services existed. Yeah, no, they're brilliant. Yeah, there's all sorts out there. Um, another thing worth mentioning is, in terms of expectations, is your virtual assistant that probably will just check your mailbox once a day. You know, I, I, at some points, you know, I have up to 10 clients at a time, and so does the team. So it's we cannot keep on track of everyone's emails. You know, it's usually going deal with what's there and just to be mindful of that um I do have a hotline on my whatsapp phone so if anything comes through timely which is great but it's just it's just you can't do it um so that's just another thing to to bear in mind when you're having the initial conversations how often can they it might be that whoever you speak to you might be their first client and they already want a couple of clients and then they can have your emails open all day but more often than not it is you know um usually done a bit more infrequently yeah and I think again it's when you're having that conversation specifying what you think you need yeah. mm -hmm. but then exactly. you've got to hold yourself to your side of it as well so for most people I think we check our emails too frequently I think you know so long as you're going in there once or twice a day to check that you know there's no inquiries or risk issues that need dealing with then actually it's better to bracket your email time and say, I only look at my emails, say, I don't know, two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and then people have to wait 24 hours for me to respond. And I think if you're used to going in your emails all the time, then when your VA tries to work with you, they'll just find that you're responding. I don't know, I've probably done this to you, I think. Um, <laughs> and make it quite difficult for your VA to do their job properly because you're kind of jumping in there and making it really confusing to work out what's come into the inbox. You almost need to step back a little bit and go, okay, I'm not going to spend all my time in the inbox. And I'm going to trust that once per day is enough mm -hmm. or twice per day, whatever you arrange with yeah. your VA and allow them to do their work <laughs> rather than if you've been doing it yourself for a long time, it's very difficult to do that. Absolutely. And I think a lot of clients, you know, still have an overview of the mailbox and just keep an eye on it if something, you know, urgent comes through. Um, and what a lot, what I find really easy for managing 
people's expectations is just to have in your signature, you know, this email, this inbox is only checked once a day. And then that way you feel like you've told people. So then people aren't, and, and you're always going to get people say, oh, I messaged you, you know, 10 minutes ago and I haven't had a reply, but that's just life. People do that. Um, but yeah. It's... I really like that. And it sets for our particular type of uh, work as well. It sets a boundary that mm-hmm. actually needs to be clear from the beginning mm-hmm. because most of us are not running emergency services. Therefore, you don't want to set up the expectation that you can respond within 10 minutes because there'll be days when you can't. Um, and it's not helpful to people to think that you're that available if that's not the reality. So sometimes I think it can be good for everybody to have that kind of 24 hour wait um, before you respond. I mean, obviously, you don't want it to be longer than that, mm-hmm. ideally. Um, but I think it's useful sometimes to set up expectations of how you're going to work going forwards um, and good for your mental well-being as well to not be in there with the onslaught of stuff coming into your inbox, filling up your brain every minute of the day. So one thing I wanted to ask you about, and I'm aware sort of we're coming to the end of our um, of our time, but I really want to ask this, and that is about return on investment. So how can we measure the return on investment for us if we outsource to a VA? I think the biggest thing um, would be financially. I think you have more time to see clients and to do what you set out in your business to do. Um, whereas the back office tasks are, are not eating into your time. Um, we were saying just before the before we were recording this, um, that there's been lots of clients that when I've started doing work and then we realized there's been lots of um, invoices that people who haven't been invoiced so you know they're straight away there could be hundreds or thousands of pounds of revenue recouped um, for things that have been missed and getting payments back quicker on time through having someone to do your credit control for you and uh, just as important as financially you know emotionally having that headspace having that, not having to feel like procrastinating, think, oh, I need to do that tonight. You know, it's just just something that's taken care of, which can give you time to focus on your personal life or, you know, ideas for your business and just being able to, yeah, have, giving you your time back. That's what mm. it is. Mm. I, I think you can't put a price tag on that, really. No, I don't think so. I mean, um, for me, I know that when I took on my first VA, I made about 300 pounds more almost instantly within about a fortnight just because I used to double book myself so often that I was having to cancel lots of appointments and therefore obviously not getting paid for them (laughs) and goodness knows what I was doing to my reputation I mean you can't calculate it but I do know within a couple of weeks I think I'd paid her about 70 pounds maybe for two hours and made at least 300 um, from her just going through my diary for me sorting out all of the ones that were already conflicted and making sure I didn't put any more conflicts in. Um, So I would say to people, you can see that return on investment really quickly financially um, and you feel it straight away emotionally. Another thing that I'm hot on and and encourage clients to do as well is to to, um, do more reporting and look at actually drill down into the data. Um, 
this is my compliance manager and data manager coming out in me, but just seeing what is making you money and what's not. And if you're not accounting for things uh, properly, if you're not seeing which revenue streams are making you however much money and the expenses that go with it, you don't know which way to progress with your business or what's what's working for you on, and what's not. Um, so just having either the time to do this or have someone else to, you know, having the systems in place and using the software and these tools, um, you know, you might be working with associates, but then by the time you, you're paying all the, you know, extra bits and what have you, you might actually be making no money, um, making no money for it. So it's, uh, and I see that quite a lot. Yes, that's the very common story, isn't it? I see that a lot too. And I think it's, um, yeah, it's having the time and headspace to make sense of that mm-hmm. data. Um, that I think if I was working on my own in my business, I would really struggle mm-hmm. to ever take that time to step back from it. Um, but yeah, you you kind of produce the data for me. And then because you're doing all of that admin stuff, I've then got the time to look at it as well, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess on the whole, Um, I'd really recommend that people outsource to a VA as soon as they can. And I'd certainly recommend that people come and check out your, are you an agency now, your team? Um, No, not yet. I don't know at what point to become an agency. Yeah, what? what, I don't know the right descriptive word, but your team of awesome people. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Yes, no, please do. If you, even if you just want in a bit of a a chat, a consultation, you know, it's, whatever it is you need we can help with and when it comes to setting up you know your systems if you're needing help setting up your your workflow like how is it going to work who's going to do what when's it going to be done and how um you know that's all things that we can help with and if you're needing help configuring your practice management software setting up all the templates and what have you more than happy to help yes and that's an exciting new service for you isn't it kind of diving in and getting people's write-up or clinico or whatever they're using set up for them so that they can kind of hit the ground running in their practice and I think there's going to be a lot of people um, who maybe I meet through psychology business school for example who would really benefit from that. Yeah absolutely I mean I see a lot of people using systems but they're only using the bare minimum and they're capable of so much more so it's just sharing that knowledge of how you can improve what you've already got really Um, so yeah making the most of all this technology we have. Absolutely. So people can find you at psych-va.co.uk. Um, I'm going to put the link in the show notes. So if you want to find Anna and her team of wonderful people, <laughs> you can head over to psych-va.co.uk. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to want to do that. So thank you so much for your time today, Anna. It's been a real pleasure. Brilliant. Thank you. Really enjoyed it. Do you sometimes wake up at two o'clock in the morning worried that you've made a terrible error that will bring professional ruin upon you and disgrace your family? (laughs) I'm laughing now, but when I first set up in private practice, I was completely terrified that I'd miss something big when setting up my insurance or data protection. Even now, three years in, I sometimes catch myself wondering if I've really covered all the bases. It's hard, no, probably impossible, to think creatively and have the impact you should be having in your practice if you aren't confident that you've got a secure business underneath you. But it can be overwhelming to figure out exactly what you need to prioritise before those clients start coming in. I've created a free checklist plus resources list to take the thinking out of it. 
Tick off every box and you can see your clients confident in the knowledge that you've got everything in place for your security and theirs. Download it now from psychologybusinessschool.com forward slash client hyphen checklist. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Business of Psychology podcast. If you share my passion for doing more than therapy, then make sure you come over and join my free Do More Than Therapy Facebook community, where you can work on getting your big ideas off the ground with like-minded psychologists and therapists. I'd also love it if you could leave this show a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It will help more of the people who need it to find it. See you next week for more tips and inspirational stories to help you do more than therapy.